Thank you, Father. I thank you for what you did way back then. I thank you, even though you knew what was coming, you still said, I am giving my all for you, Lord, because I love you all so much. And so we thank you right now. And we we enter in. You gave so much and you asked for so little of us. So I pray right now that we give you the worship that we deserve to give you, Father. That when you walk into the room that we we feel your presence. We feel you and we fall upon our face and worship you. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name.
reckless love, Lord God, that pursued us even when we weren't pursuing you. We are grateful tonight, Lord God. What great love you have had for us that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. Thank you for your great grace and your great love towards us in Jesus' name. And all those agreed said, amen, amen, amen. Well, you may be seated tonight, and I'm going to ask Mark Chapman to come up. You know, I was kind of laughing, Chuck, I was thinking tonight, every one of these, except for Connie and Teresa and you, I bat, I, I dedicated up on my stage tonight. Well, you know, I'm old enough now. And Josh, Josh too. Wow. That's a growing church. Amen. Amen. Give Mark Chaffin a good hand as he comes to receive tonight's tithes and offerings. Amen. Goes right along. Anybody that didn't get a CD two weeks ago, the last one? It's an oldie, but it's a goodie. I always wanted to hear one. Go ahead and grab it. Grab it. It's past it. Ten years ago. Ten years, two months ago. It was an hour, too. You want me to start it in a couple seconds? You will know which one it is when I tell you who called that lady's name and stole your heart. That's the one. Amen. Why is that CD still good today? Why is it still relevant today? Because it's based upon the Word of God. Doesn't matter how old it is, it's still relevant today. Pastor said, you need a word? Here we go, son. You need a word? You need to plant a seed? And then you got to do it. <laughs> Amen. Time to raise your income. Seed time and harvest. You're sowing a seed. Okay? What you believing for? It doesn't matter. I always tell you a story when you're up here. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Because it's based upon God's word, it will happen. But we give up, we quit, we listen to the world, and we drop it, and we bow our heads. The story tonight is truth and sinner finding. We have a quote from Branton J. Baruch Kenyon Samson changed your life. They gave the tape, maybe a CD, a tape to the thief, but it didn't stick with the thief. The thief, after years on the same position, went on to sin. But they grabbed a hold of that. They're young. They need food. They need clothing. They need a car. They're living with the Word of God for food, clothing, and a car. A brand new Buick Brigham. And they figured they'd give God 30 days. Midnight, one in the morning. And they go looking. And they keep going. Week goes by. 20 days go by. They come down to the last day and they're real anxious. Their phone rings and they find out who it is. Somebody calls them into their office and they come to Branton, thinking about their experience. And they say, go home. And 
just a, and I can't say the word, but I'll give you the definition. Um, It means to be great, um, allowed to be exceeding far, great, high, long, and, but it comes from another word and it means to grow or to grow up. It means to become great, to be magnified, to cause to grow, to make great, powerful, to magnify. And this is, this is the thing. As we worship God and as we, as we come to know who he is in our life and what he can do for us in our life and what he has done for our, us in our life, the greatness of God grows in us. Now, God is who he is. You're not going to change that. We, there's nothing that you can do, have done, or will do that will ever change what God, who God is and his greatness. But this is the thing, is, is that as we magnify him and as we grow in him, that greatness grows in us. His goodness grows in us. And that goes back to the glory of God grows in us. The opinion of God, our opinion of God grows in us. Amen? Amen. Okay, so we're going to dismiss the kids. And Pastor's going to come up with me. And we're going to start a series tonight called This Is Us. How many of you have ever seen the TV show This Is Us? Oh, honey, we are heathens. Well, you are. Well, huh? You see me. Thank you. Thank you for being honest, Tom. Um, But if you, thank you, Jeff. Do I see any other hands? Any other hands? Okay. You know, but this is the thing. Um, it's, it's a TV series that's been out for a year now, and it it's talks about family, and it's all about family and, and all of their, all their, all of their problems and how they work through those problems. And they, and, and if you're not a person that likes shows that go back in time, and then you're you're back in into the present and go back in time again, then you might not like it. But you know, it goes back in time and talks about when the babies were born, and then you know, and where they are in the present now and still deals with their problems today. This is the thing. As we were talking about what we were going to do for December, we talked about family, you know, and it just came through Thanksgiving. How many of you were with family over Thanksgiving? And look, you lived. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Even through all the traveling. I'll tell you what, I don't know where everybody was going, but they were all on the roads this weekend. And um, so as we, as we were talking about that, we were, you know, thinking about, you know, we still got Christmas coming up, you know, and if you're anything like us, you know, we could, what do we get for the kids, adult kids, what do we get for the grandkids, and then we don't do anything, and family's going to come back together again, and a lot, and every time you bring family together, at least in our family, and ours are two different families, um, in my family, we have, we come together and we roar, I mean, we continuously his family they just laugh at each other you know and laugh at circumstances that were really sad um but you know so so we have differences you have different makeup and so we wanted to be able to prepare you maybe help you a little bit to look at this is you this is family but this is what god has to say about you did you want to say anything else before we start this so to open up, I wanted to read this scripture to you uh, in my phone over there. Thank you. Um, I need to read that scripture. Uh, John chapter 17, if you'll turn with me, John chapter 17 and verse 20. And I'm going to read it to you out of the message Bible because I think it says it so well. And it kind of goes along with what um, I just talked to you about, about the greatness of God. Great are, great 
started a war in our life. Um, but Jesus is he's getting ready to end his time here on this earth. And so he begins to pray for his disciples, but not just for his disciples, but for us also. And, and, uh, and as he begins to pray for them, he begins to pray several things for them and for you and I also. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. There you go. So John chapter 17, verse 20, we're going to read through 23, I think. Um, I'm praying not only for them, but also for those who believe in me. Because of them, their witness about me. Um, the goal is for them, for all, for all of them, to become one heart and mind. Just as you, you, Father, are in me and I'm in you. So they might be one heart and mind with us. Then the world might believe that you, in fact, sent me. The same glory you gave me, I give them. So they'll be as unified together as we are. I and them and you and me, then they'll be mature in this oneness and give the good godless world evidence that you've sent me and love them in the same way that you've loved me. This is the thing, that in the world today, in the church today, the divorce ratio is 50%. Not in the world, although it's 50% in the world, but in the church. There's 50% of couples getting divorced in the church. But here Jesus is praying, he prayed for us, that we would become one even as he and the Father are one. And so as we talk about this over the next three weeks about marriage, about parenting, and about other things that has to do with relationships, we have to remember that the first and foremost thing that we have to keep in mind is our relationship with God. That's my responsibility for me. I'm responsible for me to make sure that my relationship with God is on track. Now, it took me a long time to understand that I'm not responsible for him in his relationship with God. That's his response. That's between him and God. And believe me, we've had many talks, God and I, not him and I, but God and I, we've had many talks about that. What are you going to do about him? You better get him straightened out. But, you know, God finally had got it through my thick head that, listen, you take care of me. But in the scripture, we see that God is saying, Lord, as they are one, as you and I are one, that's going to be a witness to the world that you sent me. And so our marriage should be a reflection of the glory of God in our lives, in the church, and each other. One of the um, one of the things that we want to believe deeply with us is that marriage is a practice, and when it's not, um, it has to make you. It's something you're going to work on, and we have we've been uh, with Deb uh, three or six years now, and uh, we're still working on that. It's been about thirteen, but we've been married almost fifteen years now in July, and uh, sixty sixty six. Sixty-six. So, you know, it's a process. It's not like a, you're going to arrive. You, you arrive that moment where you think you've arrived, but, you know, since, but I think the scripture says, be that since you've sinned, continue not to fall. So, you know, it's going to be a thing you have to keep working on. And I think that's one of the reasons why we like the series so much that um, uh, this is us because of that. Your, your family's a mess. I mean, it's a mess. And 
Jesus on every level. But they're always working it out. They work stuff out. When your marriage has problems, you work it out. Problems with the kids, you work it out. Problems with, you know, different dynamic with yourself, you work it out. And so it's it's the process of doing that, the, the consistency of, of working at it out. We've entitled this first night, we're calling it The Perfect Fit. And uh, just talking about couples. Now, I realize we have some folks here that, uh, you know, you don't have kids or you're raising your kids alone. You don't have a spouse. Uh, some of you are believing for a spouse. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that in the third week. And then we dig into that a little further. Next week, we'll be dealing with uh, children. Now, situational parenting, we call it. We've got a really awesome paradigm that we'll share with you that will help you to know how to take your kids kind of through the adolescence and to their, uh, you know, that through puberty up into their teenage years and then a chance to get them ready for adulthood. And so, uh, yeah, we know how to do that. And, uh, you know, always remember, you can do everything right, but still a mean devil out there. But you got to deal with it, right? You can do everything perfectly in your home, and still you're going to have to deal with that mean devil that's out there trying to disrupt unity and to take away. And that's what Sharon talked about, unity, that we have to be committed to work on that. And, uh, you know, we don't always, uh, we think, uh, you know, we've talked about this first one being called the perfect fit. But what does the perfect fit look like? You know, when you go to uh, the store, you go in and you're going to look for clothes that, that they fit. Um, you know, and you're going to try to find something that feels comfortable, something that works for you. But remember that the perfect fit that was the perfect fit today may not be the perfect fit tomorrow. I've lost 38 pounds this year, so but I had to get new clothes. I mean, I, I had to go buy some new pants. I, I dread buying clothes. I'm not like a shopper. I, my wife will tell you, I'm an in and out. How many of you are like that? I go in, I get what I want, I'm out, okay? Um, I hunt, I don't shop. And so once I find it, I'm done. Well, I, you know, I had to get new pants because none of my clothes were fitting right. My wife said, don't put those on. You look, you look homeless in those. I mean, they, they look so bad on you. And I'm like, okay, well, I had to get new shirts. I had to get a new, I had to get rid of stuff. I gave a bunch of stuff away, a ton of it. That was, you know, there was a per, a time that that was the perfect fit, right? I mean, it worked perfectly. That's not so much today. And I'm still on a journey, you know, of continuing to work on stuff. So it's not going to fit so great tomorrow either. It's a consistent thing in my life. You know, when I graduated from high school, I was 6'6 and 178 pounds. And that's light. I mean, that's really light. And, and, that, and I couldn't put a pound on. Uh, today, I could do that real easy. Um, but the clothes I wore then were totally different because the perfect fit will change. So when we talk about a perfect fit, when we talk about a husband and a wife uh, that come together um, and, you know, the, they want to have the perfect fit in their marriage, that is going to be an ongoing process through the years. That's okay. Um, well, and, and to go along with uh, that. You just got done talking a lot. I know. That was just the introduction. Uh, um yeah. And to just go along with that, you know, for me to look at somebody else's, to look at another couple and go, that's the perfect marriage. That's the marriage I want. Right. You know what? Listen, I don't live with that man. I don't have to clean up after him. You know, and I've had women come up to me and say, oh, but Pastor, I want my husband to be just like him. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. You know, he's good and he's mine. But he, you know, some, some women that come up to me, I think, he would have you buried the first week. 
I mean, you know, he would kill you, you know, because he just doesn't put up with stuff. I have learned, you know, we've learned to work together in our relationship and vice versa. I mean, there's, you know, there's some men that, you know, I'm sorry, I just take you out back and kill you and tell God you died. There's just no way I would tolerate that. You know, so, you know, but, but, but for who you're married to, it works. It works. And thank God it works. So, yeah, so the perfect fit, what does that look like? So in the perfect fit, we come up with an acronym, FIT. Right. F-I-T. Right. F-I-T. So if you're taking notes, you write F-I and then T, and uh, you'll be with each of these uh, perspectives. You know, uh, just one more thought. Uh, We'll probably dig into the first three here. Uh, Marriage is dynamic, not static. And so relationships are dynamic. They change. They just do. And relationships change. Um, we talked a we we talked a little bit, and I think we get into this a little bit later is when we talk about the T. But you know, you go from being uh, a couple to being parents, and then eventually being a couple again. And sometimes people never make that transition. They go parenting has taken so much out of them that they're done being a couple by the time the parenting time comes. And that's sad when that happens because that was never God's design. And so what you have to work on is you have to really work on this and realize that it's a dynamic relationship that's ever-changing and that we have to work together on this, not just independently on it. And uh, to think it's static, like, no, everything will be fine. We'll just go through life. Look, you know that's garbage because that is not your life. Your life changes. Things are dynamic. People change. We go through different moods. We have different emotional things that happen. We have things we don't respond. Sharon and I, we don't respond to things the same way. Some things she responds better at than I do. Some things I respond way better than she does. And we've learned how to how to help each other through that. Some environments, I, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And she's in some environments, I don't know what to do. And, you know, and then there's usually, hopefully, in most of those, one of us is like, well, I know what to do. And so mm-hmm. that's awesome. That's why we're together. Right. And so, just so, so you recognize that in your marriage relationship, that you will be working on this the rest of your life, mm-hmm. and even into el- old age, you know, even if it's 63, 73, I think, uh, was Hallie and Beulah were married like 70-some years, the uncle from Sharon, I mean, they, I mean, my good, he was 100 years old, I think, when he died or something like that, or close to it, and I think he just was like a couple days short of his 100th birthday, but, you know, 70 years, man, that's a long, long time. But if you don't learn how to deal with the different parts that go with this, how dynamic it is, any one of those can take you out. I mean, going from a couple to being parents takes some people out. I mean, they're just like, we're done. You know, my mom and dad, they split after my mother had, they had four children. And then my dad left, went off with another woman. And so, you know, that's, that. my mom now is faced with this dilemma of a guy that's left, abandoned her basically, and the kids. And she's got to raise all these kids. And so he did not do well. He didn't like kids. He didn't want the kids around. He didn't want to deal with it. And so there you go. My mom was the one that had to deal with that. So we hope if whatever level that you're working at right now, that we can help you with this idea of being fit, the perfect fit. How do we get the perfect fit? So you want to give us the first one? Well, I think think one of the things that we have to do is is that we have to all realize that so um, we need to learn to become friends. Yeah. I mean, 
Well, you like that person, right? right? I mean, there have been times, you know, I've said to him, I love you, but I don't like you right now. Right. You know, and that, but that doesn't, that doesn't change my love for him. But in a friendship, what, you know, what I learned is that, you know, I've, I've learned with friends over the years that, you know, there's some things I take and there's some things I leave. And so in this, in this relationship, in this dynamic relationship, this is my friend. You know, and I've taught, we've taught this before, but whenever we came together, the first thing I had to realize was, is that, first of all, he's my brother in Christ. Right. Amen. And so I don't treat him any differently than how I treat another brother in the body of Christ. I mean, I shouldn't expect anything less from him spiritually than what I expect from anybody else in the church, in the body of Christ. So first I had to realize that he is my brother in Christ. So, and, and, and then, you know, you all know our story. We got married within six weeks of meeting each other. So we didn't really know each other, but we learned to grow in that relationship. We learned, I learned, we learned that there were things that we like to do together. And then we learned that there were things that we don't like to do together. And that was okay. Like Bible reading. We, yeah, we don't do well reading the Bible together. He doesn't like that. And really, I don't like it either. Um, you know, but yet we read our Bibles. Right. You know, and then we'll come together at some point, and I'll say, hey, I was just, re- I never saw this before. But here's a thought. And he'll do the same thing with me. So it's not that we don't share about the Bible together, but for us, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You know, um, he doesn't like to have friendships given. That's too bad, isn't it? <laughs> I found that out. You know, oh, he doesn't want to. You know, this one year I planned this nice romantic Valentine's Day, and I, I cooked for him, and I said, and then we're going to do, I'm going to give you a facial, I'm going to give you a back rub, I'm going to give you a pedicure and a manicure. He hated it. He hated it. But you know what? If I would have called a girlfriend and said, hey, let's go get a facial, let's go get a pedicure, let's go, they would have loved it. Right, right. girls? Right. Yes, but he hated it. So, it, I mean, I never planned another one like that. Uh, you Thank know, you. so you're welcome. So, but, but the thing with being friends is that you learn what each other likes and dislikes. Right. And that's okay. It's okay that I don't like to golf. I hate it. I, I'm just, I'm frustrated with it. And not because I can't hit the ball. I can hit the ball. I just think this is a waste of time. But he likes to golf. So you know what? Call a friend and go golfing. Sometimes I'll look at him and say, don't you have a friend you can call and go play with? You know? And, but that's okay. That's what friends do. So, so we learn to be friends. And, then, and, and we learn because this, this, this is my greatest ally. He's my greatest ally. When I'm down, I know that I can come to him and say, this is what's bugging me. Or he can look at me and say, something's off. Something's not right. You know, what's going on? Or what happened? Or what did the kids do this time? You know, something. And so, so we, we become, we're partners in this relationship. It's not me alone that's working at this. We're partners together. So, the, so for the F, we become friends. And, you know, I really like for you to address that whole thing about the tyranny of the, of the, ur- the tyranny of the urgent. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I think you have to look at when they 
There's no one I'd rather go to a movie with than Sean. There's no one I'd rather have dinner with than Linda. There's no one I'd rather share my hurt with, you know, with, and we all deal with stuff, right? There's no one I would rather do that with than her, period. There is no one else. And it's because she's my friend. And so that's the kind of relationship God wants you to have. You say, well, Pastor, we don't have that. We don't have that kind of relationship. I mean, but there was a day that you did. That's right. There was a day. There was a that day that you couldn't wait to go pick her up, or yeah. the day that you couldn't wait for him to come pick you up, yeah. or the day that you couldn't wait for this to happen or that to happen, or you looked forward to that. See, that's what friendship is. So something happened, has happened yeah. in that time to cut that, that, that you've lost that. So we know couples that like they, before they got married, they're like, you know, if they're living in different homes and like just just put your phone down or I'm going to kill us so I can listen to you breathe. I'm like, okay, whatever. I mean, that's a little too far for me. But, but you know, you, you spent hours talking, communicating. They were your friend, and that's how you started. Remember now, we're talking about the perfect fit, but stuff happens in our lives, and that all begins, those dynamics begin to change. And so you have to focus on what's important in the relationship. You know, uh, and I don't have all the details for this uh, tonight, but you know, a, div- a, a divorce can cost you a lot, a lot. I mean, it can take a lot. Those of you that have been through divorce, you know, it's, it's, it's not only is it the financial stuff that you deal with, but the emotional stuff that you have to deal with. And there's never an easy divorce, ever. Nobody ever goes through an easy divorce. You, there's, it's always complicated. It's always painful. And when the final verdict is out and it's done, even though you may have despised the person that you were with, but it still hurts because the finality of it's over. The rejection and everything that goes with it. So, um, I, you know, I've, not, I've never been divorced, but I have helped a lot of people that have gone through it. And I do know that it is an extremely painful process to get to that, to get things done. And sometimes it can set you back three, four years in your momentum. So it's worth it to spend the time working on your relationship, Okay. And one of the things that we, we recognize in our lives is always the tyranny of the urgent can get in the way. That's one of the things Chuck and I talk a lot about in, in ministry. The tyranny of the urgent takes you off of all kind, gets you too busy doing stuff that's not important. We kind of break down our lives into three different categories. Some of you have heard me do leadership training. You know about that. The things that I must do, the things that I could do, and the things that I should do, Okay. When your could-dos are taking up your list, and all you're frustrated, man. You're totally frustrated. You didn't have to do that. You could do it, but you now it's not even, you're not getting your must-dos done, and you're not getting your should-dos done. So let's talk about what are some must-dos in a marriage relationship. I must sit down and spend time communicating with my spouse, talking, okay? Well, if that's the last thing you try to do at the end of the day while you're both laying in bed totally flat out exhausted, that's, that's just, that's just going to wear it. You can't do it. You're going to get in an argument, which we've done. That's why. Look, I'm not talking about anything we don't know about. I mean, there have been times we went to bed, and we blew that whole don't go to bed angry thing and failed. We failed miserably. We were so mad. And I mean, and then I hear her over there crying, and it's making me ang- more angry. And then God's like, you know, you really hurt her. And I'm like, shut up. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear that right now. You know, so stuff happens. And, and so sometimes we have bad timing. We've had bad timing. You've got to prioritize when these things need to happen. You know, when it's important for us to sit down. And, and, and 
really for most couples, it's going to be the first part of the day that you just take the time before the kids are at the edge of it, before everyone gets all crazy, or at least that you're taking some time away from the family. We'll talk a little bit about date night here in a minute, but but oh, you yeah. got to do it. You got to be committed to it. Here's another thought that if you know, on sometimes on Sunday nights we'd like to get out our calendars and go, "What's going on this week mm-hmm. for me? What are you going to do?" And you know, and, and I'll tell him this is what I've got. These are the meetings I've had. You know, this is what I've got coming up. So that's communicating. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you have to take that time. Another must do. Yeah. Oh, your daily devotions, your yeah. time with God. That's a that's a big one. Our calendar is a big one because we're mm-hmm. busy. I mean, we're real busy. So we have to talk about what's going on that week. And if we had kids, we did the same thing with the kids. We got this ball game. We got this going on. Sunday night was the night that we would that we would do all of that. And, uh, you know, it's cool. Just as kind of a thought, I don't know if the Android phones do this, but I know the Apple stuff you can do this. But you can have a family calendar. And that family calendar, everybody can input it if they're connected with you. So when your wife puts something on the family calendar, you won't forget that you've got family Christmas pictures this day. And, you know, if the kids have something, that's on the calendar. Uh, I had one couple, I don't think it happened that way, but I had one couple that came in, and, man, they were really having problems with each other about their calendar and the time. And, and they both had Apple phones, so I showed them how to do that, and it solved a huge problem that they were having because it opens communication. But you got to have these must-dos. So there's things that need to to happen. And you know what? Look, I mean, and I know I think we're pretty much all adults in here. Sometimes you have to plan intimate times, you know, and I say intimate sexual times. You have to plan that because especially if you have kids, you got to try to figure out that you need to have it. Let me say it again. You need to have sex. Do we have all kids in here? I can't. I don't have my glasses on. You know, you, you need to make sure that you're prioritizing that. And you say, well, you say sex, you know, are you talking about it? No, I'm talking about you need to hold each other. You need to sit on the couch. You need to smooch on each other. You need to, you know, rub each other's forehead. I don't know what works for you, but you need to do stuff that is sexual. That's a must do. Don't act like you don't do it. Everybody's like looking at me like, or, or that you never did it. Or that you never did it. You did. You know, and, 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 and I know it's it's a subject that, you know, oh, this is church. No, we should no, we should talk oh, about absolutely. this stuff. You know, because it, it is important and it is listen, the purpose that God the reason that God called a man and woman to come together, it wasn't so that they could have a great relationship. Yeah. He said, produce. Yeah. Multiply. Yep. Go out and create, recreate. So, you know, and, and so th- so that's, you know, you say, well, we're past that age, so we don't have to do that anymore. But, but yet at the same time, intimacy, and, and that's that's the next one is intimacy, is is a vital, important part of, and it's not just about sex. No, it's not. It is about, you know, it, it is it's about. It's not just t- about intercourse. It's, it's about not, it's not about, in. sex is not just intercourse. Yeah. And, and this is where we've gotten in trouble in society today because we have defined sex as intercourse. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have intercourse with that man or that mm-hmm. woman. Mm-hmm. But what were you doing? Were you kissing? Yeah. Were you touching? You areas that you shouldn't have been touching? So, you know, but in a marriage relationship, that's okay. Yeah. And so to do that, because I realized that I have needs that only he can meet. Mm-hmm. No other friend of mine can meet that need. 
Well, they could, but they're not. Let me just say it that way, right? Absolutely. You know, he's the only one that should and is meeting that need in my life. So whether it's touching or kissing or, you know, just sitting on the couch looking at our Christmas village that we put up and reminiscing about days gone by and, and laughing about Christmases that were horrible, but yet we lived, you know, and just and memories and things like that. Yet that's, that was our time right. together, and it brings us closer together. So That's part of what you have to work on in that relationship, and you have to just, you have to realize stuff like a hug can go a long way to make it okay. To just take time to just stop, whatever you're doing, and hug each other. Just stand there and, and just not smother each other, but just a hug. It's not... It's not necessarily going to lead to anything else, but it can be really awesome for both parties, for both of you to do that. And so what happens is, and what tends to happen in marriage relationships is, is that, well, if we're not going to have intercourse, we're not doing any of the other stuff. And that's wrong because you need all that other stuff in your life. You need touch. You need held. You need, I'm not talking necessarily, you understand what I mean, guys. I'm just saying you need, you need that, that, that level of intimacy. So. We have to work on this stuff. I want to read a couple of passages to you because we're running out of time. All right. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this. If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. So how do we sharpen, how do we sharpen the edge of the axe so that we're not wasting so much strength? Proverbs 27.17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. This is my friend. She sharpens my countenance. I sharpen her countenance. We help each other. So there are things that, look, I'm not a woman. I'm a man. I don't, there ain't a thing about me that's woman. Does everybody understand that? There isn't a thing about her that's masculine, that's a male. She's learned things about men because of our marriage, but she's, and she had brothers, but, but that doesn't make her a man. She thinks like a woman. She responds to things. She has a certain way she looks at things that, that's different than mine. But I learn from her because I cannot learn that on my own. I can't just figure it out because I'm not going to figure it out. There's just stuff like I don't ever talk in a conversation and go from laughing and crying at the same time. I can't do that. My brain is not wired that way. God did not make men that way. A man can't jump back and forth in his hemispheres of his brain. He can't move into, he just can't do it easily. Now, if his mom's helped him through the years, maybe he's a little better. But Sharon can respond to things differently. And so I have to, like, tap into that in her life to understand. Or I miss out on some of the emotions that are going on. Not that she's emotional, but that I just miss out on the emotions of what's happening. And so you sharpen each other. But Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this in uh, chapter 4, verse 9. Two is better than one. They have a good reward for their labor if one if they fall, one will lift up his companion. Woe to him is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken because God slips out a cord in that. Mm-hmm. So uh, how can one be warm alone? So I just want to throw this in before we move on here. Look, if... Your spouse is not filling the needs in your life. Someone will because you have needs. You have emotional needs. You have physical needs. You, and if you don't, you, you, if you don't let your
your spouse being alone with someone in this room. I pray you for the next thing you need to say. If someone is knee deep around you and is trying to get you to fulfill needs in your life, you need to immediately communicate it and get it fixed. Okay, immediately. I mean, like, you need to talk with them, like, right away. And I, I, I believe in full disclosure. I've talked to Coach Sharon. I had gone to, some of you remember, um, I had gone to um, Kevin McCreary. They were doing a special benefit for him. And I, I had burglared a bar, but I went into one uh, to support Kevin when he was battling cancer. And as soon as I walked in, and, you know, I just it's just one of those, this woman. You had our daughter with you. And I had my daughter with me, and this woman starts hitting on me. I mean, she's really, she's really trying to make a, you know, I know what a move looks like. She's trying to make a move. Man, and I'm just like, I'm trying to get, she's drunk. I'm trying to get her away from me. I'm trying to, I'm like, look, well, where's my daughter? My younger daughter, she knows to kind of hang out with me to keep that kind of attitude from her, but. And not that I'm anything special. There's just a mean devil out there wants to destroy your life, okay? So anyway, she's trying to, like, come on to me, and she keeps talking, and she's touching me. I don't like, I'm just like, what's up? Well, you know what? I got to go. So I left. I walked away from her. But my wife knew about it. My wife knew about that before the evening was over. I mean, she knew about it. And I talked to her about it. And, uh, you know, she didn't say, well, what did you do to add you? She didn't. You know, stuff just happens like that. But I believe in the absolute communication because you got to be careful. You will become emotionally tied to someone you're divulging too much information to. Especially if it's family stuff. So one of the things that you need to do if you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, I really want to be in a relay, I am applying this to his wife right now. My wife is working on it. One of the things that we do that helps us in our relationship as friends is is that we create a date night. Yeah. So actually, we have a Sabbath day. Because Sundays is not our Sabbath because that's our day to work. Right. I mean, we're here. Um, so um, we've created another day that is our Sabbath day, and that's also our date night so or our date day. And so that's during the time. And back when we had kids, um, unfortunately, we didn't have a Sabbath when we had kids. But right. we should have, but we just, I don't know, I'm not that good. And, but we create that day, and whenever we're out or whenever we're together, there's certain things that we don't talk about. That's not our communication time. That's our date time. So there are things that we do talk about. We talk about each other. You know, he'll ask me questions. How am I doing as a husband? And then, of course, he wants me to ask, how am I doing as a wife? Absolutely. And, and, and I almost threw up. <laughs> but, you know, so, but, so there's things that we do stay away. We stay away from talking about money. We don't talk about kids. And we don't talk about sex. Yeah. We don't talk about in-laws. We don't talk about in-laws or outlaws. Mm-mm. Either one. So there's certain things that we, there's certain part of parts of the conversation that we do not go near. Right. So, you know, it's, 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 it's just about us. Right. During that time. And we have couples that actually go, well, we don't know what we'll be able to talk about if we can't talk about the rest of it. And we've been there. We have. Yeah. We've been there. Where until we just the sat there crying not to talk about it. Listen, there was a time that whenever we were in Ohio that we were looking for buildings for a new for our church. And for months we would drive around and go, well, that he would drive, well, that would make a great building. That would make a great building. That would make a great building. And I got so tired of, of just driving down the road and hearing that that I was like, okay, we need to stop that. You know, and, and he's like, well, what are we talking about now? And so we had, you know, we did sit in silence for. So it was, a, it was a relearned trait that we had to learn again 
and how to communicate to each other, how to talk to each other, how to get to know one another. Yeah. You know, I mean, Christmas is coming. Christmas is here. The season is here. You know, I, I'm always talking to them, okay, did you guys growing up ever do this for the holidays? You know, did you, what did, what did you guys do about this time for the holidays? And, you know, I, what, was your, what was your mom's favorite cookie to make for me? Or what was your favorite cookie to eat? Or, you know, things like that. So just, just so I could find out about him, things about him. And even after 36 years, I'm still learning yeah. things about him. So communication. So I just we want to encourage you that if, you know, if you don't have a date night, set up a date night. And it doesn't have to cost money. It could be just at home. Yeah, if you don't have money, that's fine. But we, we just went to the park a couple times and held hands and walked around the park. So it doesn't have to be of all about bringing you inside and hanging out and, and yeah. going to it. And what did C.S. Lewis say? Oh, C.S. Lewis says that friends look in the same direction. Yeah, I like that. Friends look in the same direction. Absolutely. So, you know, whenever you're coming together and you're looking at each other and you're going, are you my friend? We, al- we always come back to the why. Why are we together? Yeah. You know, and only you can answer that. Only the two of you can answer that. Nobody else can answer that for you. Can we jump into the intimacy? Yes, go All ahead. right, so let's talk about intimacy. At the I. So we got F, now we got I. We'll go quickly through this. Real intimacy in marriage begins with real intimacy with God. That's where it has to start. You know, Chuck talked about here the last couple of weeks about that worship is in there is in having an intimate relationship with God and a real intimate lifestyle with God. Let's talk about what that word intimate actually means. The word intimate in Webster's says that it means to make known, especially public or formally, or to communicate delicately or indirectly. So what it means is, is that there's a few words that aren't in there. It's a transparency that we have with God. Real intimacy happens through transparency. I don't like this. I do like this. This is how I feel. This is this. I'm joyful today. I'm sad today. That's that's what intimacy is. We in our society today, you know, we'll use the phrase, "Have you been intimate with them?" That means that means something totally different than what intimacy is really all about. Intimacy is not just about you know, have you had sex with the individual. Intimacy is that have you shown yourself to them? Have they seen the real you? Have they had the opportunity to, to, to see what you're like? And so here's, here's, a, here's a thought that goes with this. And God spoke this to me earlier. Intimacy cannot happen without vulnerability. And that's a tough one. Especially when you've been hurt. You know, if you've been, if you've been married before, you're hurt. I mean, you were, you were hurt anyways. That can definitely affect you going into a marriage relationship of your level of intimacy because you are going to be guarded about opening up. So we get that. But remember, you, your level of intimacy in any relationship, whether it's God or it's your spouse or even a best friend that you have, will always be determined by your willingness to be vulnerable. So if you're guarded and hidden, with God, you're not being transparent with God. God said, you know, blessed are the transparent, for they shall see God. So we could read it backwards there and say, those who don't show who they are to God aren't going to receive the benefits of what God can do in their life. And, I, and this one's so important because if, if you don't start with that one with God, then you are going to be hindered in the relationship with, with in, if you're, because if this relationship is not open, 
meaning my relationship with God, then these relationships are not going to be okay. So if I'm having trouble in this relationship, and I've had to learn this over the years, if I've had, if I'm looking at him going, oh, you're so sweet and nice. If he says that one more time, if he does that one more time, if, you know, all he needs to do is, you know, he's in big trouble. I have to, I've learned now I have to check myself and go, okay, what's going on here? What's going on here? Well, why is it always me that I have to be the one that checks myself? Well, you know what? Going back to, you know, he has to deal with his relationship with God, not me. I don't deal with his relationship with God. I have to deal with my relationship with God. So if, if, you know, and again, if I'm not vulnerable before God, and you say, but God knows everything. He know, He already knows my heart. God already knows my heart. Yes, he does. And he's wanting you to come and to lay open before him and say, God, give me this. Yeah. Or show me. Why is it that that bugs me? You know, there's there, there's been things in, in our relationship that I'm like, why does he do that all the time? You know, and I'll say, God, open up his eyes. Let me see. Why does he do that? And he'll, he'll come to me and he'll say, you know what? I know why I do that. Mm-hmm. It's because of something that happened way back when. Yeah. And that's why I res- or or I will say, or I'll do things, you know, or I'll I'll put up a wall. And I'll say, God, why do I put up a wall like that? But see, that doesn't happen just because I'm, you know, I'm going on about other things in my life right. and I'm not dealing with it. But when I take the time and I get before God and I say, God, why is it I get so afraid whenever this happens? Why does that fear just grip me? And I take time and I let God just minister to me and open up my heart and show me why. Yeah. Then I can lay it before God and say, okay, God, I need you to heal that area in my life. Yeah. I need you to restore that area in my life. And again, going to what Pastor said in the beginning, this is a process. This is a journey. We haven't arrived yet. You know, we're in a, we're on a process here. So so things are still being revealed. It's like an onion that's peeling. You know, there are things still being revealed in my life. That things that happened, you know, because I came from a broken home. I didn't have my father. I didn't have a, a male relationship in my life besides my grandfather until I was 11 years old. Tell me that doesn't affect a young woman. But, you know, see, I didn't know that until I got into relationships. And didn't know how much that affected me. And then whenever I got my relationship with God right, then I began to see, okay, God, I need you. I need your help with this. So this intimacy one is so important that we start with him first. We have to put him first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Then all these other things will be added. I think you you have to talk with your friend or two at work and just say, God, right now, right now. Like I had a real bad habit in my life of that when we Sharon and I would meet a new couple, I would never, I would like ignore her, like not intentionally. He's a big guy, so like I would like step step in in front of her to shake her hand, and she's staring down at me, and and they're like talking to me, and I tend to dominate the conversation, and she's just like staring at me, like you totally boxed me out. I I don't get to say anything, you know. So I, she came to me one time, and she says, you know, it really bothers me when you do that. And, and, you know, I don't want to hurt my wife. I mean, I, I didn't even realize it. But if she had told me, I would have never thought anything of it, truthfully. And so um, I always thought, what? Do you want to make people get up there and shake their hand like what I did? That's, you know, she, 
she had a certain courtesy she was expecting from me because she told me. And I was like, well, I'll make sure that doesn't happen again. It does once in a while. But, but you'll notice that whenever I'm introducing myself to someone, I always say, and this is my, this is my lovely wife, Sharon, right? So I want everybody, because, you know, I, I have to train myself to do that because I'm too focused in the conversation. So I think there has to be that level, um, you know, if I feel like that there's something going on there, like that she's doing, you know, that it's bugging me. I'm not just going to go, well, I'm just going to pray that God will deal with her about that. I'm not saying, oh, I want everybody to talk about it. That's communication. So you can't have intimacy without communication. You just can't. So one of the things we wanted to talk about, though, and we're just going to we're going to hit on this and then move on, is, is that in intimacy, you have to figure out what make what fills your your spouse's love bank. I mean, you got to figure it out. So everybody's not the same. And usually you're not married to somebody that likes the same thing, you know, wants the same things. Like we had this one couple we were dealing with, and she was like an acts, acts of service really meant a big deal to her. So she was always giving her husband lists of things. And the reason is because that's how she wanted to be loved. And she always would do things for her husband. And, and then she'd be like, yeah, I did this for you. I did this for you. And Well, none of that meant anything to him. And he didn't do what she wanted. And she gave him this list. So what did she feel like? You don't love me, right? Because that was how she felt love. So she was loving him the way that she wanted to be loved, and he was not doing that. And so what we had to try to explain to her, and she didn't listen very well, but we tried to explain to her that, look, that's not his love language. What he is is that, you know, his love language is different. He, he wants to have uh, quality time, let's say. He just wants to spend time with you. He doesn't want you to give him lists of things to do. But what we do is we tend to love people the way we want to be loved. So, you know, if you're a, if you're a is it, what is it, touch, you know, you're, you're like always trying to, t- you know, touch your spouse. And they may not, that may not be their thing. They may be like, get your, leave me alone, right? You know, that's not my, so you got to figure that out. Gary Smalley has a great book about this called Love Language. I encourage you to read it um, because you need to sort through that. Chances are you're loving your spouse. You're assuming your spouse wants to be loved the way you want to be loved. And when that is the case, you tend to, you're going to have problems with that because you're not filling their love bank. Find a way to fill their love bank. Is there words of affirmation? Man, affirm them. You're doing a great job. You are awesome. Once I, once I found that out, I, you know, one of, one of the words that God introduced to me was intentional, being intentional. Being intentional. And so once I found out what his love language is, which is touch, you know, as we're driving down the road, I'll reach out and grab his hand. And you know what? I could go all day with him. Yeah. I could. Now, talk to me, communicate with me, yes, but not touch me. So, you know, but then but then he, you know, he had to figure out what my love language is, which is quality time. Quality time is not touching to me. Yeah. Quality time is that I'm the same and you're doing the same thing together. You know, so he had to figure that out. You know, and so once we once we realize what each other's loves, now we have to be intentional yeah. about it. You know, that I, you know, not always do I drive down the road and put out my hand and grab his hand. But once in a while, I'll think, oh, I, I, you know, let me put out my hand here and, and I'll hold your hand. I may even so, think you know what your spouse's love language is. Just raise your hand. Let me hear it. Touch. Touch. Okay. So if he doesn't do what you've asked him to list, then, then you probably don't You're trust frustrated. Him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Affirmation. That's we your all, love language? Okay. 
That's abundance. Good. Right. Anybody else want to get spouses and identities? Yeah. Quality time. Those are three. And then two over here. Mike? Service. Acts of service. That's okay. your love language? You're, that's your, okay. She wants, oh, my goodness. Yeah. She's works. Words. Word. Quality time and work. Okay. Anybody else now? Stevie? He's quality time. Now, is he, is he getting that right? Is that, he's great? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Acts of service. Huh? because you texted me. So. <laughs> but do you guys understand what I mean by that you tend to love the way that you want to be loved and so that can create a conflict in in relationships. So the book again is called Five Love Languages by Gary Snyder. Yeah. Yeah. And then they also they also have one for kids too. So you can help identify your different oh, love yeah. languages. And we'll too. mention that next week. Yeah. The last one we wanted to deal with uh, in set was the word transition. And um, we kind of hinted around this at the beginning, but Ecclesiastes 3.1 just talks about there's a season for everything under, and a time for everything under the sun. And time and season, is, we got into this a couple weeks ago, are not the same thing. Time presses on. Time is based off of the seasons are not predictable. And uh, they're just not predictable things. Time is predictable, but seasons are not predictable. Now, I will say this, and, and I'm, I'm pretty good track of time, and I want to cut this down. You know, well, we have a time that we're going to have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as soon as as soon as we have enough money, well, that's never going to happen. Um, as soon as as soon as this happens, as soon as that happens, as soon as that happens, we'll buy a house at this time. We'll do this at this time. You know, those are ag- you know, and they're trying to go lunar, yep. and what you want to go is seasonal. Yes. And um, so you know, so you you go from being single to being a couple. And so you don't do things the same way as whenever you were single. The first time I came into the kitchen and found him drinking out of the milk jug, I was like horrified. What are you doing? Are you going to drink the whole thing now? Why dirty a cup? Come on, who's with me, huh? Why dirty a cup? So he had to learn that, okay, I can't, I can't, I can't drink out of a milk jug unless it's, unless it's got his name on it, and that's specifically his milk jug. Um, but, you know, so, yeah, so there's certain things that now you don't do that you did when you were single. Yeah. At least you shouldn't. Leaving yeah. your underwear on the floor. Or, no, I don't know. do that. No, you don't. He's, he, I train him very well. You know, so, so, then, so then you go from being a couple to being a parent. And that, and that is a big leap. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge leap for us. You know, that whenever we went, of course, whenever we got married, we already had a child. Not we had a child, but I had a child, you know, and, and he, he, he married both of us, you know, so we became a family. So, you know, it, and, and, but it was a big, it was a big um, adaptation for him. Yeah. You know, he, he went from being single to now being a married couple parent yeah. all at once. Yeah. So, so that's difficult. You know, because not only now, now you're not just eating for yourself. You got a kid that's star- staring at you going, can I have a bubble milk, please? You know, it used to be you could eat the whole package of hot dogs. Now you, now you got to share it, you know. So, and, and then we go from being, um, being a parent to, to uh, from parenting back to being a couple again, like Pastor said earlier. And, and this is where, this is where a lot of couples lose it. 
because either either the wife or you know I haven't seen too many fathers that have done this, but usually the mothers have invested so much time, energy, and resources into raising these kids. These kids are her life, and then whenever they're gone and they're out on their own, she feels like she has no purpose. And so that's why it's so important that in that time period that, that you still keep your identity as to who you are. And, again, that comes back to your relationship with Christ. Right. And that, that's one of the big ones that we see with folks is that they've invested so much into the raising of children, but they haven't invested into themselves. And we, we have to realize investing into your marriage, investing into each other, uh, is going to make you a better parent and is going to make your marriage work sooner and better. And so uh, it's sad. I mean, it's, I mean, we all know people that they went all the way to raise the family. I know couples that have actually uh, told me privately that they went to Dover and Peter Church, got out of college, and then they were raised poor. And, uh, you know, to me, that's just so horrible that uh, their life can't, that that's what's happened. But, you know, at some point, there was a spark in that man's life. They loved each other. They were passionate with each other. They cared about each other. What was it that got into that? What did they begin to value more than that? And whatever that was, sometimes we can help them find it, but but sometimes you can't. You just are too, there's too much, you know, there's too much water under the bridge. Without a miracle happening, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to make it last. But, but, you know, it's one of those things that we have to be, Intentional, 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 intentional. You're going to go through transitions. There are things that you're not 18. You know, Sharon and I aren't 18 anymore. Things are different. We're, we're different physi- physiologically now. Our metabolisms are different. Our, you know, I mean, we used to be able to, I used to love it that I could stay up till 2 a.m. And I, you know, when's the last time I got to watch a late night television show? I can't even do it anymore. I mean, I wake up and I wake up early. What's up with that? I mean, I'm, you know, I'm up at 5 a.m. in the morning and I'm asleep. You know, and somebody said, well, go to bed, get up later. I, something in my clock now says you cannot sleep past 6 o'clock. You can't do it. So I don't know what, what that is. Maybe it's a demon. I'm not sure. But, but you know, I mean, I just like up and I'm going. My it's, mind is going. It's preparing for, you know, the animals. Yeah, right. you got to yes, get up for the cow. Right. But, you know, you have to. You, yeah. You got to go through those transitions in your life where you're like, okay, things are different, but we're working together through that. Okay, yeah. we're working together. Yeah. Actually, and 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 th- this is a this is a pr- proven fact, and you may not believe this, but the best years of your life should be financially and with each other after all that they've done. Um, should be. You should be if you do things the right way. You should have more money than you ever had in your life at 50. <laughs> well, that's what, you know, I mean, it takes, you know, they get, it, it takes a while to get them out of the house. <laughs> and how many of you know, even when they're out of the house, they're not really out of the house still. So, no, but, but you should have the best, you should have the best. This is, I love this, you know, Sharon and I, you know, and we get up in the morning and, I can do my thing. She does her thing. We talk. We can go to movies. We can, if we want to go out to eat, if we want to just sit down and have a romantic dinner together, the only thing we have to deal with is the dog. And so that's a, you know, I mean, it's not that. So you're going to go through these transitions. You're also going to go through transitions physically, things that change through the years. And here's the thing. 
I say this for all the guys. You will never understand what your wife is going through. So don't even try to act like you understand it or know what it's like unless you're getting tons of estrogen dumped into your body. Then and, you'll and get a little inkling of what a heat flash feels like. Mm-hmm. And and then and, and you can't fix it. You can't fix it. Guys, you cannot you fix can't. that. No. It's part of life yep. and you cannot fix it. Yep. So and even even the even the loved ones, the things that they're going through, the transitions that they're going through. You know, husbands, you're not going to be able to fix that. But this is what you can do. You can pray. Yep. Absolutely. Pray. Absolutely. Okay. And, and, and even the transitions physically that he's gone through, not just losing weight, but there's other things that, that men go through. You Absolutely. can't tell me that men do not go through a change. They go through a change. You can deny it all you want. You go ahead and lie to yourself. Right. That's all right. Yeah, you can believe is. that lie. But you go through a change. And so, and I and I can't even begin to understand that. I don't get that, but but I know what I go through, and and I know that I appreciate the prayer support. You know, I appreciate the fact that he's praying for me. He's praying for my mind. He's praying for my emotions. Yes. He's praying for my physical body, and 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 not and not just for him, but he knows that I've got I got things to do. I got places to go, and I got people to see. Amen. I don't have time to be sick. I don't have time to be tired. I don't have time to be emotional. Right. And when I was going through the change and I was emotional, I was standing at the window crying. I'm like, what are you? I'm talking to myself. There's no crying today. We don't have time to cry. And I didn't need him coming home and say, why are you crying? Why are you crying for? Well, What's going say, on? What did I do? Yeah, what, you know, it's not about you, you know. And, 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 and the fact was I didn't know what it was about. But what I needed was I, and, and, and what he gave me was he gave me the prayer support. Yeah. You know, he came alongside of me and he prayed for me. That's that's the number one thing that you can do for your spouse, not yeah. just your wife and your husband, you know, but for each other is the prayer support. Yeah. That That is so, so vital because as you're praying for them, God's going to be working and be ministering to them. You know, one of the things, and, and uh, as we just wrap it up, that, Everybody deals with, and men really tend to struggle with this big time, is is when you look in the mirror and you begin to think the best years of my life, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And uh, that's a bad feeling. A lot of guys go through midlife. You do crazy stuff, you know, at that point. And what you have to realize is, is that your best years are never behind you. They'll always be forward. And look, you may not be physically, you know, you may not be the 18-year-old or kid, but you can still be strong. You can still run. You can still work out. You can still, there's lots of things that you can do. Don't let that become an excuse. I see so many guys that just give up. I mean, that's, well, you know, I'm just not what I used to be. Baloney. You could be better than you used to be. And uh, that's always state of mind in your life. And so you just need to, but it's a tough feeling for people. And it's tough for women to think that that's it. My, you know, my, my life is forever altered. I guess the last thing that we wanted to just mention to you is, is that we get the pain of serving the Lord going through that just for a little while. That's tough. That, it's, a, it's a rough road. We get that. We've helped so many people in just walks that they go through. And, you know, maybe your spouse is not on board with Christianity. They're not on board with uh, the church, going to church or you know, maybe there's some things they're on board with, some things they're not on board with, and that can be tough. 
We get, we get the pain that comes through that, the frustration that comes through it. But let me, let me just remind you, and I think that's something that Mark said, don't give up. Don't give up. Look, things will change. They'll, they will change. You've got to trust God that he's working. And don't let your spouse, I don't care who they are, determine your level of spirituality right now. That, that just is never going to produce the results that you want it to. I have never seen a situation where um, a spouse stayed home with their spouse because they didn't want that interference and that it actually helped the marriage. In fact, most of them have ended up totally ruined and destroyed because of that. Or the person ended up totally backslidden. Well, I'm going to go to the bar with them and drink because that's the only way that I can let they just don't like the whole. Look, if that's the case, what's going to what's going to what's going to ruin you? And you're not helping your marriage by doing that. So you've got to stand firm in your faith. You've got to stand firm for your, if you have kids, you stand firm for your kids, uh, your grandkids. You stand firm in your faith. You're praying, reading the Bible, go to church, you know, live for God personally. And nobody else is determining that in your life. You determine that for yourself. You say, well, what if they get upset? Then they get upset. Your marriage isn't about pleasing the other person all the time. I mean, that's just silly. You can't please anybody. You can't even please yourself all the time. So, I mean, uh, you know, you can't expect that you're going to please your spouse all the time if, if the decisions that you make. And you're never going to go wrong making a decision for them, ever. You'll never make the wrong decision doing that. And uh, so, you know, I just encourage you, just stand, stand firm. Don't cast away your confidence. There's a great recompense of reward. Amen? I want you to stand up with me today. Did you get anything out of this? I know we... No? Okay. Well, thank you for coming anyways. Yeah. Yeah, we'll make sure. We'll tighten it up. But, but uh, you know, we're going to deal with next week when we deal with this thing on the parenting and grandparenting, too. Uh, it's, it's really powerful. I think it's really going to help you. So let's pray. Father, Lord God, uh, I know, Lord, there's all kinds of representation here tonight. Lord, there's uh, those who, Lord, are struggling in their marriage right now. And it's some, for some, it might even look like this is it. It's over. Lord, for those who are standing alone, feel like they stand alone in their faith, Lord, may they know tonight that you stand with them. That, Lord, for every stand that they take for your kingdom, you're standing right there with them. And that their church body is standing with them in that, Lord. Father God, I thank you that you're working miraculously in ways that we cannot even see or know. And we are grateful for that. Father, I pray that every, per, every couple in this place would find a night, a time, Lord God, whether it's a lunch date, a breakfast date, or an evening date, where they will spend time alone together, Lord God, and just getting to know each other again. Father, I just pray for that. I know that there are that there are men and there are women here, Lord God, that long for that in their marriage relationship. And so, Father God, I just thank you that the tyranny of the urgent will not rule and reign in their lives, Lord God, but they'll get that must-do taken care of. Father God, as we leave this place tonight, Father God, I just speak blessing over the household of this church. And Father God, that you are supernaturally working and enabling and helping us to do what your word says to do, because that's what grace does in our lives. And all those agreed said.